0: Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 45th episode of PEM podcast, starring me, Victoria Laurie uh, and my fabulous sister, Sandy. Um, We did not call each other prior to appearing. Uh, We both burst into laughter when we saw each other because we're both like the same color. Yes, it's like we're psychic or telepathically connected or something. Or we just have a lot of blue. Well, we. (laughs) Uh, yeah sandy has a lot of blue in her wardrobe um and uh you know i guess i just like being like my big sister um it's in my aura i need to honor my aura it is it is yes yes blue indicates analytical thinking so when you carry a lot of blue and my sister has a lot of blue in her aura there's a lot of like light blue and some really lovely pink in it um you have a really beautiful aura there's a little bit of like yellow fuzz kind of towards the top too. (laughs) Of course there is. That's where your hair is. It's blonde. I think that's why you like to go a lighter shade of blonde because you actually have like an area up here that's really kind of light, almost whitey gold up in there. Wow. I'm so happy to hear all that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Okay. So we've got a lot to kind of cover. Let's talk about the... Iowa, Idaho, Idaho, the potato state, Moscow murders, which is no laughing matter. And um, you've been keeping up on the case. I have not because it just is so energetically disturbing to me that I just, I can't. So Um, anyway, go ahead. Tell me what, or tell uh, our audience, our fans, what uh, you found out and, and said to me right before we hit record.
1: So in keeping up with the case, I saw a newscast article kind of updating what was happening with the with the legal proceedings. And in essence, he's put his right to a speedy trial off. So the um, the next time he'll appear before a judge will be in like in June, in six months, uh, because his defense has asked for time to uh, prepare their case. And in the process of watching that particular n- news article, um, they showed a picture of Brian Koberger with very red like carrot-like hair. And I thought, oh my goodness, Victoria had suggested that the perpetrator had red hair. So just to confirm, I will uh, so here you can see for our viewing audience that yeah. he
0: actually does have
1: very, so very red hair,
0: so, yeah, 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 so yeah, in the summer, it probably bleaches a little bit redder than in the winter. And luckily, this asshole is going to have darker red hair for his the rest of his entire life until. I think he's, I don't think he's going to last long. I don't think he's going to live to see 40. I really don't. I don't think he's going to live to see 40. I don't know if Idaho has the death penalty, but he just really feels to me like he's going to have a fairly short life. Good fucker. Sorry. I really hate him. I really, 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 really hate him. He's just evil. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you try and find the scintilla of goodness in people, even the worst, but man, that guy, the brutality. And the other interesting thing that that uh, I wanted to bring up to you, Sans, is that I looked at the knife that they suspect he used in the killings. And um, remember, I had said that when I was looking at the energy of of these kids and how they were killed, that uh, it, it, in my mind's eye, I kept seeing um, a scene out of Scream where Ghostface is just like violently <laughs> um, and it's just, oh, it's just shudder worthy. And it turns out the knife that he used is very similar to the one that Ghostface used in the Scream movies. Yeah. The difference is that Ghostface used an eight inch blade. He used a six inch blade, but the curvature, the shape, the handle, they're all very, very similar. And I, I just really think that this guy watched scream, loved it and was like, that's the way I'm going to do it. That's the way I'm going to carry out this act. I really think it influenced him. It's just, there's the energy of It's just there. Yeah. So yeah, those poor kids. Yes.
1: Absolutely. So uh, uh, you ha- oh, do you have an uplifting anecdote for? I Dada? actually do.
0: Okay. <laughs> I we bounce to something I know, just less awful. Okay. So I was reading for a woman um, a couple of weeks ago and it was very clear, like this first time with me, it was very clear. She was a little skeptical, which I always love, right? I always love the skeptics, bring them on. Um, the male skeptics are my favorite because they're just like an open book. It's like, yeah, I doubled on there. Yeah. You, you know, what are you going to come up with? And then I'm like, pew, pew, pew. they're like, <laughs> it's great. Anyway. <laughs> so I was reading for this woman and I connected to, um, her grandmother and I said, uh, something to the effect of, of uh, a lot of like smoke in the lungs and i said was she a smoker and she said no but she died of lung cancer and i'm like it's so weird because i keep seeing all this smoke around her and she said my grandfather was a chain smoker so the grandmother died of secondhand smoke so then i saw in my mind's eye a bookshelf of books just rows and rows of books so that is a that's a dual symbol for me sometimes it's a symbol of like a librarian or a bibliophile um But other times and more frequently, it's the symbol of a bookkeeper. So um, I took a guess and I said, who's the bookkeeper? And She goes, my grandmother. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. And then the grandmother showed me the number four. And I'm like, does she have four kids? I could see this woman counting. She goes, yeah, (laughs) four kids. And then I said, what's the big deal with Halloween? And she's like, I'm like, someone's birthday or something? Doing that. And then I was like, no, it's a pet. I said there was a pet about Halloween. And she's just looking at me and I'm like, was there a pet named Spooks, um, you know, Midnight, Witchy, anything? And she goes, a dog named Boo. That's very cute. A dog. And she said it just like that a dog named Boo. Oh, it was adorable. It was absolutely adorable. So she's now a fan. (laughs) I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I love readings like that. I love readings like that because, you know, when you come in with with skepticism, it's almost like a fear of hope. You know, you don't want to get your hopes up. You don't want to be duped. You know, you would love to hear from them if it's actually them. And that's why when they connect and they offer me all this proof and it's just so specific and there's like absolutely no way I could get that information ahead of time um nor would I want to spend that I don't have time to research any of this shit that's why you're doing all the read the write-ups because I don't have time to research anybody but anyway um you know it just really kind of allows for the idea that it's really them on the other side that came through with love and, um, attention and, a f- and, uh, a connection, you know, um, that doesn't change a relationship. It's the same. It is.
1: So if I can quickly jump in there right before Christmas, I went to visit uh, a good friend uh, and his wife and, uh, their daughter happened to be there as well. And at the end of our get together, um, uh Deb the wife said to me oh i really want you to read this book uh you know Jim where is it and Jim said uh i think it's in my office and Deb was like oh my god i can't find anything in your office and Jim was like i know where everything is so <clears throat> um no luck finding the book i went home and the next morning i got a text message from Jim with three photos taken in his office of a picture and in the picture frame was a a picture it was a picture of him his wife and his best friend who passed away a couple of years ago and um I, I was so like I'm like and why you knew you said his best me? friend you knew him yes, his very, best well.
0: very very well yes
1: and so I'm like why why are you showing me this photo and, and Jim replied because this photo sits in my bookshelf and I came in this morning at 6 30 and the photo was sitting in front of my computer and he's like <laughs> how did that happen? So Victoria was very gracious and gave me a New Year's Day reading uh, for the year. And uh, I asked her if there were any messages for Jim for from his friend, and he right up stepped up and said, (laughs) "Oh, I was the one that moved the photo. It took me all night." And I took him all night,
0: like all night, like he moved it by centimeters, and uh, he barely got it in position in time, like he was racing against the clock. And I could just feel his frustration, like you know almost panicked like if i don't get it into position he's going to think that it just fell on the floor you know like that like it just like got knocked over by a dog cat something um so that's why he he had to get it like in front of the computer so he'd um, see it perfectly so that jim would never suspect that it just fell there right Right.
1: So what cracks me up is um, Jim's best friend is constantly moving things in Jim's house and Jim ignores most of it. Like it's no big deal. Now all of a sudden he's like, you know, okay, I'm convinced. So He's
0: taking a photo before it goes to bed, photo after. (laughs) What's out of place? Exactly. So (laughs) maybe he'll he'll start to, you know, it might be, it might be S's, the best friend, S's uh, way of, of needling Jim to clean up his space so that, he can notice things that are out of place Maybe. more readily, you know, and wouldn't right. blame it on just, you know, well, my office is chaos. Of course that's there, must've left it there, something like that. So um, similarly to that story Sins, Um, So I have, everybody's heard my bird out in the other room. She's, she sits on a, a tree that's actually um, a coffee, t- a coffee tree. They take a, t- a coffee tree and they peel off all the bark and they peel off all the leaves. It's dead. Um, it's, Past its prime, and then they turn it into these beautiful perches for for birds. And Doc, my bird, loves it. Anyway, so um, my mentor, Kevin, who passed away, right around the same time that S passed away, um, and we're both in you know still kind of in mourning over those two losses, um, has been showing up with feathers everywhere you know I go, and um, I I actually had an urge to go pick up. Thai food the other day um and uh you know I'm like why am I eating this this is just so heavy and thick and you know it was like I gotta get the Thai food you know so I go to pick up the Thai food the traffic is blocked in one area so I have to go around the block and as I'm going around the block there is in the town that I live there's a little shop with Indian artworks and artifacts and all of that stuff and in the window of course feathers just all feathers everywhere (laughs) So I'm like, oh, hi, Kevin. Thanks for the Thai food. So I go home, I walk in the door, and um, I have a fairly large space uh, that's my living room. So between the kitchen counter and the far wall of the living room, uh, toward the counter, there's this big, long feather from Doc. Um, and like there, there just literally is no way that that feather could have, it's this big. So it didn't, lift on an air current. Nothing was open. I think even the heat was off uh, because it was getting hot because of the sun. So it's just sitting there in front of the the counter and I'm like, hey, Gav, how's it going? (laughs) Notice me, notice me, notice me, notice me, notice me. So yeah, if you ask for a a sign and you're specific about it, they will do their level best to provide that for you. So um, what I always suggest is something that would remind you of, and Kevin had some American or some Native American ancestry uh, uh, in his heritage, so the whole feather thing is kind of a tongue-in-cheeky thing because you know he used to kind of make fun of the of the mixed blood of his mixed blood. So um, if you are missing someone and you really want to hear from them in a way that uh, kind of defies the odds, I always recommend that you think of a symbol. Or something tan- tangible. <clears throat> like for my grandmother, um, I always ask for bicentennial quarters. I have dozens and dozens and dozens of bicentennial quarters. I'm always showing Sandy, I'm always sending her a photo. Look what, look, got change. Here it is. Let's just be clear. I have four bi-
1: bicentennial quarters. So <laughs> I don't we don't want to go who's the favorite there.
0: <laughs> of course I'm her favorite. Of course, hello. But your granddaddy's favorite, so oh, by far, your granddaddy's by far, Sandy, by far. We can discuss this later. Yeah, I don't even need to tune him in, my sister. You are by far his favorite. So anyway, so Grams, you know, sends me by quarters, and they're getting rarer and rarer, and and um, so when I, I still come across them every once in a while. Um, and, uh, the poor thing, she's working so hard to try and get one to me, <laughs> you know, like, huh, challenge accepted. Um, so I probably I just... taking all my
1: quarters and just sending them your way. That's what's, <laughs> that's what's happening. Let's be real.
0: Yeah. Now I have dozens, like dozens and dozens of bicentennial quarters when, um, my beloved little puppy Lily passed away. Um, and I was just beyond heartbroken. I mean, Lils was my baby. Um, and, uh, I got four bicentennial quarters in two days, like boom, 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 boom. So that was Graham's saying, you know, got the pup, which I thought was wonderful. So anyway, anyway, so that's the anecdote. That's more stories than you probably wanted to hear. You're like, get to the mystery, but we have to promote a book because that's what this podcast is partly about. Okay. So, uh, this week's book promotion is Ghouls Gone Wild. Um, this is the fourth book in the MJ holiday ghost hunter mystery series. This is one of the spookiest books I've ever written. Um, this one wicked me out a little bit when I was writing it. So basically the, uh, plot takes place in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, and there is a legend that, uh, in the, uh, village of Queens close, I believe it is, uh, I just read it and wrote it. 80 million years ago but anyway um there was a legend that uh, a witch her lover and five of her siblings were chased into the caverns that are, that sit underneath edinburgh and they were summarily one by one murdered and then every hundred years villagers seven villagers uh die mysterious deaths so uh, on the anniversary of those killings So, of course, uh, Gillian and MJ travel to Edinburgh to kind of get to the bottom of this mystery. Um, Who's killing who? Um, And uh, there's a scene that I wrote that I remember. um, So Gillian and MJ are part of a television crew. They're part of a, a cable TV show called Google Getters. And so they set up cameras in these taverns and... I just was like, oh, you know, there needs to be like something, almost like the ring, you know, the movie, the ring that was so creepy where the girl comes out of the, well, she comes out of the TV, right? Um, When the phone rings, she shows up on your screen, I think. I don't know. I haven't seen it. You and I are like, we don't watch that shit. Um, And uh, so I wanted kind of a scene sort of like that. So I had this dark shape kind of follow camera to camera to camera and stop and like pause and look at the camera and then carry on um so that so that people who are filming knew the witch knew that she was being filmed so it's a it's a little on the spooky little on the spooky side um but yes hijinks and Sue, hilarity in somewhere in there um because it's gilly gilly is hilarious so yeah buy it everywhere books are sold and if you'd like to make an appointment for me so I can talk to you about your loved ones on the other side, tell you what color your aura is, tell you what's coming up for 2023. I've got tons of people who want to know the year ahead. January is a fantastic time to get a reading, uh, especially if you have goals in mind. Who doesn't? It's January. We always have goals in mind for the rest of the year. So visit VictoriaLaurie.com. Um, hopefully when you visit, the brand new website will be up. Thanks to my sister and my marvelous uh, future future. Niece-in-law? I don't know. Uh, My uh, nephew is dating the most beautiful young woman, and she's so smart and so talented. And Sandy and I have just decided that we are adopting her. So uh, she built me this, like, fantastic website. VictoriaLaurie.com. Click the button. Make an appointment. Now over to Sandy for her part.
1: Okay, so this week's case is about a missing mother, Jennifer Dulos, um, she was a Connecticut mom of five, and she vanished on May 24th, 2019. And while authorities continue to suspect and subsequently arrested her estranged husband, Fotos Dulos, the mystery of what happened to Jennifer died when Fotos committed suicide a few weeks following his arrest. To date, Jennifer Dulos remains a missing person, and the investigation into the circumstances surrounding her disappearance is ongoing. Jennifer was born on September 27th, 1968, into a wealthy family. Her father, Hilliard Farber, a banker, and mother, Gloria Ordenberg Farber, a philanthropist, raised Jennifer and her older sister Melissa in a Tony area of New York City near Greenwich Village. Jennifer graduated from Brown University in 1990, where she met her future husband, Fotus Doulos, and later earned a master's degree in writing from New York University Tisch School of the Arts. Fotus Doulos was born in Turkey on August 6, 1967 grew up in Athens, Greece, and moved to the United States at age 19 to attend Brown University. Upon graduating, he went on to earn an MBA in finance from Columbia University. In June of 2000, Fotis married Brown graduate Hilary Vanessa Aldma. Their marriage lasted four years, with the couple divorcing on July 12, 2004. Six weeks later, Fotis married Jennifer Farber on August 28, 2004, in a Manhattan Society wedding. Shortly thereafter, Fotis founded The Four Group, Inc., a Connecticut real estate development company specializing in luxury homes. The couple moved into a large home in Farmington, Connecticut, just outside of Hartford, and over the course of their marriage, they had five children together, including two sets of twins, all named after Greek Orthodox saints, three sons, Petros, Theodore, and Constantine, and two daughters, Christiane and Cleopatra Noel. While Fotis focused on his real estate development company, Jennifer, a stay-at-home mom, made her living writing for Patch.com, and running her own mommy blog. But in a March March 12, 2012 blog post, Jennifer alluded to trouble in her marriage, in which she wrote, quote, I wish I were a strong person, and that confrontation did not both scare and appall me, end quote. With the gradual big breakdown of the marriage that included Fotis' extramarital affair with a high-powered Venezuelan businesswoman named Michelle Traconis, Jennifer on June 19, 2017, secretly relocated along with her five children, to a grand rental property in New Canaan, Connecticut, which was about 70 miles southwest of Farmington. Early that next morning on June 20th, she filed for divorce in Stamford Superior Court. In her court documents, Jennifer noted, quote, I am afraid of my husband. I know that filing for my divorce and filing this motion will enrage him. I know he will retaliate by trying to harm me in some way. Jennifer also alleged that on June 3rd, 2017, Fotis, quote, became enraged, appeared out of control, and blamed me for scheduling activities for the children on a Saturday morning. I was scared and tried to leave the room. He followed me upstairs and into a bedroom where he shut the door and blocked it so that I was trapped as he verbally attacked me and physically intimidated me, end quote. She also stated that her husband exhibited intensifying, quote, irrational, unsafe, bullying, threatening, and controlling behavior, end quote. And as a result, she was afraid for her safety as well as the physical safety and emotional well-being of their children. Jennifer's statement also noted that she believed Fotis was having an affair with his colleague, Michelle Traconis. Jennifer also alleged that Fotis had recently purchased a gun and had threatened to kidnap their children if she did not agree to his terms for divorce. In Fotus's amended reply to the motion, he claimed that he legally bought the gun in 2017 for home security and denied exhibiting, quote, irrational, unsafe, bullying, threatening, and or controlling behavior, end quote. Fotis also stated that he never threatened to kidnap the children and never, quote, physically threatened, stalked, or assaulted his wife. Jennifer then made a request for an emergency custody order but was denied with the presiding judge favoring temporary joint custody until the divorce proceedings were concluded. As the case dragged on, both Jennifer and Fotis filed numerous actions claiming they were being disparaged by the other party. Fotis asserted that Jennifer had called him a psychopath and told the children that their father does not care about them. Fotos also claimed that his wife said to the children, quote, I will make sure this divorce takes two and a half years and I can't I can have the mafia break your dad's legs with a baseball bat, unquote. In a December 2017 email to Jennifer, Fotus wrote, quote, our children deserve a mother and a father, not one or the other. And if we cannot live together, we can at least get along for the, their sake and benefit, end quote. However, in early 2018, Jennifer once again brought forth her petition for an emergency custody order. And this time the judge ruled in her favor after finding that Fotus had defied uh, numerous court orders. In March of 2018, both parents were ordered to share joint legal custody and Jennifer was granted sole physical custody of the couple's five children. The judge also ordered that Fotis' visitation with his children was to be supervised and all phone calls monitored. Adding fuel to the fire in February of 2018, after the death of Jennifer's father, Hilliard Farber, her mother, Gloria, sued Fotis for unpaid loans of $1.7 million. Fotis claimed the money he'd received from Hilliard was a gift. Gloria Farber contended otherwise. Sadly, Jennifer's fears about her soon-to-be ex-husband were well-founded. The last time Jennifer was seen alive was on the morning of May 24, 2019, when after dropping her children off at the exclusive New Canaan Country School on Frogtown Road, a neighbor's security camera captured Jennifer returning to her Wells Lane residence at about 8.05 that morning. Almost two and a half hours later, at 10.25 a.m., a surveillance camera captured Jennifer's 2017 black Chevrolet Suburban, leaving her home. Police now suspect that the Chevy Suburban was driven by Fota Dulos. After missing two scheduled doctor's appointments in New York City, one at 11 a.m. and one at, a second at 1 p.m., two of Jennifer's friends, including her nanny Lauren Almedia, reported her missing around 7 p.m. after they were unable to reach her, and they noted to police that it was out of character for Jennifer to leave home without telling anyone. Lauren also told police that when she arrived at the new Canaan house at noon earlier that day, she was surprised to see Jennifer's Range Rover in the garage because she had understood from Jennifer that she had planned to drive that vehicle to her doctor's appointments in the city. When detectives conducted a thorough search of the Wells Lane residence, they found blood spatter on the floor, door, and the east wall in the garage, as well as on the exterior of Jennifer's Range Rover, including the hood, bumper, and rear fender. Blood was also found in the kitchen mudroom door, a cabinet, and the sink faucet. DNA tests later revealed most of the blood found at the scene was Jennifer's. However, blood on the kitchen faucet was a mixture belonging to both Jennifer and her husband, Fotis. In addition, police found evidence of attempts to clean up the crime scene and concluded that Jennifer had been the victim of a violent assault. Patrol officers dispatched a search for Jennifer quickly located her Chevy Suburban, which was found abandoned on Lapham Road near Waverney Park, about three miles from her home. That same evening, around 7.30 p.m., Fotis and his girlfriend Michelle Traconis were captured on video dumping garbage bags in 30 different residential and commercial bins along Albany Street in Hartford, Connecticut, which was about 90 minutes from New Canaan. Police discovered that the trash bags contained bloodstained clothing, including Jennifer's favorite Vineyard Vines t-shirt and her bra, as well as some cut-up bloodied zip ties and blood-stained cleaning items, including sponges and two mops. The blood collected from these items was determined to be Jennifer's. Police also recovered a trash bag containing a WeatherTech cargo liner, which was determined to be from Jennifer's Chevy Suburban SUV. Additionally, Fotis' DNA was found on the inside of a glove in one of the trash bags and on one of the trash bags. He was also surveyed on camera stuffing a FedEx box into a storm drain, which was later retrieved, and when inspected, detectives found two Connecticut license plates once registered to the Dulos family. Using black tape, the plate was altered from 516WDJ to 5T6WBU. As they built their case, police created a timeline of FOTUS's activity on May 24th, the day that Jennifer disappeared. At 1.37 p.m., cell phone records indicated that FOTUS left his 10,000-square-foot Jefferson Crossing home in Farmington and drove to 80 Mountain Spring Road, a Farmington property owned by his company, The Four Group. Fotis remained there for almost two hours before heading back to his home. At 5.25 p.m., Fotis returned to the Mountain Spring Road property for a second time that day and stayed for 10 minutes. Security footage showed Fotis arriving home to his Jefferson Crossing estate at 8.10 p.m. that evening. At 5.25 a.m. on May 25th, neighbors of the Four Group property at 61 Sturbridge Hill Road in New Canaan awoke to loud sounds of banging metal. Even though the house was under construction, the early morning hour was highly unusual uh, time for any type of building activity. Police would later suspect, sorry, police would later inspect the dumpster located on the construction site. Police reviewed Jennifer's cell phone and credit card activity on the day she disappeared and found that her cell phone was at Waveney Park at 1030 a.m. and was turned off at 1109 a.m. Since that time and date, there has been no activity recorded on Jennifer's mobile account or credit cards. When police conducted searches in the wooded area near Jennifer's estate in New Canaan, as well as throughout Waveney Park, they were unable to turn up any sign of Jennifer. Police also searched for Jennifer in and around numerous properties in Farmington, including Fotis' home, the Mountain Spring Road estate, and the secluded property of his friend and former civil attorney, Kent Douglas Mawinney. The 25-acre area, I'm sorry, the 25-acre area was used as a private hunting club, wherein a member came across a large 6-by-4-foot hole in the ground and subsequently alerted police. Using a sniffer dog, authorities discovered the shallow grave on Malwini's property filled with two bags of lime and a blue tarp. While no body was found, it appeared these items had been removed from the makeshift grave. Along to, uh, sorry, adding to their suspicion, they discovered that Mawinnie was at the four group offices on the morning that Jennifer disappeared. On June first, 2019, Fotis and his girlfriend Michelle were arrested and charged with tampering with evidence and hindering prosecution, to which they both pleaded not guilty. On September 19th, the couple was rearrested on the same charges and once again pled not guilty. On June 4, 2019, a judge granted a request by a court appointed attorney re- representing the Dulos children to suspend Fotis Dulos's visitation rights. Temporary custody was awarded to Jennifer's mother-, mother, Gloria Farber, and the five Dulos siblings, then aged between 8 and 13, moved to New York City to live with her. Fotis appeared in court on October 4, 2019, to seek a dismissal of the charges against him. The presiding judge agreed to review documents arguments by the defense and the prosecution. And later that month, Michelle Traconis, along with her 10-year-old daughter, moved out of FOTUS's $5 million Farmington home. On January 7th, 2020, Connecticut State Police arrested FOTUS and charged him with capital murder murder, and kidnapping in relation to his wife's disappearance. The warrant shed light on the evidence the police had collected from the surveillance footage of FOTUS's early morning activities on May 24th, which actually started at 525 a.m., he was seen driving a red tacoma which was loaned to him by a co-worker along the 70 mile stretch from farmington to new New canaan upon arrival in new canaan photos parked the tacoma about three miles from jennifer's wells lane residence and then retrieved a bicycle from the back of the truck bed at 7 51 a.m he was captured on security camera dressed in black pants and a black hoodie riding the bike near jennifer's house police recovered bicycle tire marks around jennifer's home and together with the blood evidence collected from the garage Police theorized that Fotis waited for his estranged wife to return home from dropping their children at school and bludgeoned her in the garage after she exited her vehicle. Michelle Terconis and Fotis' friend Kent Douglas Mawinney were also arrested, Mawinney actually at gunpoint, and charged with conspiracy to commit murder. The following day, January 8th, Fotis' bond was set at $6 million. He was released on January 9th in order to return to court on February 28, 2020. However, once the prosecutor discovered that the four group properties that Fotis had used as collateral for his $6 million bail were actually all in foreclosure, Fotus was ordered to appear in court for an emergency bond hearing. When he failed to appear on January 28, 2020, at his appointed time, state police were dispatched to his Farmington home where he was found in an unresponsive state after rigging fe- flexible, stu- flexible tubing to purposely inhale carbon monoxide from his running SUV while it was parked in his garage. First responders initially transported Fotis to Yukon Medical Center in Farmington, but he was later airlifted to Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx to undergo hyperbaric oxygen therapy. His five children paid him a final visit before he was taken off life support, marking the first time they had seen their father since he was accused of murdering their mother. Fotis was pronounced dead at Jacoby Medical Center on January 30, 2020. He was 52 years old. He left a suicide note in his vehicle that read in part, quote, I refuse to spend even an hour more in jail for something I had nothing to do with. I want it to be known that Michelle Traconis had nothing to do with Jennifer's disappearance, and neither did Kent Mawinney. After hundreds of court filings over the course of the two years between the estranged couple, on February 4, 2020, the divorce between Fotis and Jennifer Dulos was dissolved. On June 4, 2020, Jennifer's mother, Gloria Farber, was awarded $2 million after finding that her former son-in-law, Fotis, had fabricated evidence in the lawsuit she had filed against him. By the end of June 2020, all of Fotis Stulos's properties were in foreclosure. On January 19, 2021, Connecticut State Police once again visited a four-group property on Mountain Spring Road in Farmington to follow up on old leads. Several law enforcement authorities were seen digging up the backyard, Also on site was Bob Perry, a nationally renowned expert at finding unmarked grave sites. The next day, police returned to the Mountain Spring property with an excavator and a septic tank. In late January, during an interview with local media, Perry stated that although he would not say what, if anything, had been discovered during the Mountain Spring road search, there were questions and suspicions about the newly built pool on the property. In the aftermath of this case, on March 3, 2020, a judge granted a null Pro- prosequi request by prosecutors to dismiss the murder charges against Fotos Dulos ending the criminal case this uh, is not an acquittal but an acknowledgement of the reality that the prosecution of Fotos Dulos cannot continue prosecutors then had one year to refile or the charges would be dismissed it also lifted the gag order imposed on the parties and freed witnesses from their obligations in a statement issued in may of 2020 michelle tricona said it was a mistake to have trusted fotos but she she has maintained that she does not know what happened to Jennifer or of her whereabouts. Out on a $2 million bond, she appeared in court on August 6, 2020, to face her charges, to which she once again pleaded not guilty. In October of 2022, at a status hearing, her attorney filed a motion to dismiss all charges against her, but the case has been continued. Kent Mawinney was held... Uh, was being held in lieu of a $2 million bond, but the bond was reduced to $246,000, and he was released on October 19, 2020, but then re-arrested in October of 2022 for tampering with his electronic monitoring leg bracelet. The judge ordered Mawini to be held in custody on a $1.5 million bond. This case has also been continued. Prosecutors have stated that they are willing to make a deal in either case if it leads to Jennifer's remains. The Dulos estate has asked a judge to waive the seven year requirement to declare Jennifer dead so that the family could access his IRA account. A probate judge ruled that such a declaration is not necessary to settle FOTUS's estate. In, on, in May of 2021, a domestic violence bill, the so called Jennifer's Law, received near unanimous support in the Connecticut State Senate. Senate. The proposed law is named after Jennifer Dulos and Jennifer Magnano, who was murdered in 2007 by her husband, Scott Magnano, in Terryville, Connecticut. He committed suicide immediately after murdering his wife, unfortunately in front of their three children. On June 28, 2021, Governor Ned Lamont signed the bill into law. Police remain convinced that Photos Dulos had two specific windows of opportunity to dispose of his wife's body on May 24, 2019. Once during the 40 minutes he sat parked at New Canaan's Waveney Park in Jennifer's Chevy Suburban, and again during his 2-hour visit that afternoon to 80 Mountain Spring Road in Farmington to date the remains of Jennifer du- sorry to date the remains of Jennifer Dulos have yet to be located my sources for the story include wikipedia jennifer dulos abcnews.go a connecticut mystery one year later a timeline of jennifer dulos photos dulos case by emily Shapiro, may twenty first, 2020 box61.com Kent Mowinney back in custody after allegedly tampering with monitoring place bracelet by Doug Stewart, October 3rd, 2022. Fox61.com. Michelle Traconis, attorney, files for dismissal of all charges and different prosecution by Jarles Diaz, October 19, 2022. The Stanford Advocate Timeline. 100-plus moments of Jennifer Dulo's case, staff reports January 7, 2020, updated on January 30, 2020. The Stanford Advocate, potential buyer interested in photos Dulo's mansion by Lisa Bacchus, October 25, 2020, and Dateline NBC, the day Jennifer disappeared. Air date was July 20, 2020, and updated on September 2, 2022, by Dennis Murphy reporting.
0: So Victoria, you have any ideas as to what happened? So I, I'd I'd never heard of this case. Um, You watch, you watch all that stuff way more than I do. Um, I'm busy thinking up murder. You're busy watching it. Um, Oh, the joys of being a mystery writer. Um, So I read the very first paragraph and boom, I was like cement. She's in cement. She's buried in cement. And, um, I'm like, wait, hold on. You don't even know if there's any construction-y kind of thing in here. And then I'm reading and I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Real estate developer. Hmm. Okay. Um, so, uh, yes, Fotis committed this crime. He and Kent, uh, planned it out pretty methodically. Um, but, uh, stupidly they were caught on like every camera. I mean, they live in a Tony part of, she lived in a Tony part of Connecticut. So of course (laughs) there's security cameras everywhere, right? Um, I believe that he, yes, he drove the red Tacoma, parked it, got the bicycle out of the back, was dressed all in black, uh, rode his bike to be there in time for her to come back from dropping the kids off. I feel like she pulled into the garage. He was just around the corner and he ducked in. I don't feel he bludgeoned her. I really felt he stabbed her. Um, and I think that's why it took so long for him to clean up. I think that there was a lot of blood loss um, versus bludgeoning someone. I don't want to be too graphic, but bludgeoning someone, you you can essentially kill them much quicker, where there's not a lot of leaks going on, right? Um, so I, I felt strongly that he stabbed her, and I felt that one of the bags of garbage that they got rid of probably had that murder weapon in it. Um, what happened to her? Well, was she in the grave with the lie? Uh, yeah, I think well, she was. And then they got nervous, and they started moving the body. I think that Kent ultimately hid the body, not to be a super graphic, but um, I believe that There was a cement mixer involved. I believe he put her remains in the cement mixer. I believe that the cement mixer mixed with her bones and basically pulverized her. And that became the base of the pool. Um, Because when I try and hone in on her body, it doesn't feel like it's a solid thing. It feels like particles. So um, I don't think they're ever going to find a trace of her I don't know how you dig out pieces of bone from cement. I guess I, you probably could, but um, good luck, <laughs> you know? Like, I I think that's, that's her final resting place is that pool. Uh, she feels like she was disposed of <clears throat> in cement. Um, and, you know, what was really interesting was the very first images that I had coming were, okay, she's in cement, kind of like the mafia disposes of those bodies right and when i read that kent was a civil attorney i'm like "Huh. i wonder if he has any connections you know to people in the know um i don't think michelle knew what was going on i really don't um it's not necessarily that she feels super innocent to me because i think she had witnessed just too many angry rants from Fotis about his wife. Um, And I think that when they were driving around dropping off the garbage bags, I'm I'm convinced that he made up some story like, you know, I can't dump this stuff at the dump because I'll be charged all this money. It's toxic, blah, 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 blah. Right. So he's like, we'll just spread it around town to get rid of it so that I don't get fined. And um, she went along with that you know spending time with the boyfriend kind of thing um and then as all this unfolded uh she's like shit she is effed um Kent is never going to give up where the body is never why does he have to there's no body to point to him he knows he knows he disposed of the body so effectively that there's relatively zero chance that they're going to find any trace of him. So he can just spend time in jail for now, um, waiting for the trial. And then when there's, you know, one person on the jury who's like, I'm not sure. I don't know how he goes. He's acquitted. So, uh, he knows how this works. He's a crafty soci- sociopath. So, <laughs> Uh, he's just going to wait for his time. Uh, do what little time he has between now and his, is he still in jail stands? Yeah. So he's in he jail. Was re-
1: he was rearrested. Uh, and with his. Yeah. Bracelet. Monitor. The mm-hmm. other thing I didn't include in the story, but I did re- read in my research, which is very interesting and complements what you're saying. And that is that Kent, uh, also has an ex-wife and she was very fearful that, um, Kent and uh, Fotis were going to um, murder her and dispose of her. Hmm. So it might have been like you know, strangers on a train kind of deal, where it was yeah,
0: I'll help you with yours, you help me with mine. Yeah, um, yeah. Just too many cameras caught too much on camera. Yeah, um, I mean, even
1: even though Fotis was thinking he was being so clever, the reality is is that he actually all that that trip from uh, Farmington to New Canaan in the early morning hours was actually pulled from school bus videos I saw so that. I yeah thought that
0: was so fascinating yeah yeah
1: that's how they got
0: him on surveillance camera tracking his path was from school bus monitors so, so. They, the police did an amazing job i think in this case and it's really a shame that um he remained kind of one step ahead of them and then you know took the coward's way out committed suicide um i don't think that was out of out of remorse or guilt i think that was just uh selfish i'm out of here i'm checking out you know there's no way for me to escape the country so i'm just going to escape this plane bye well he was
1: also um the interesting thing about the 6 million dollar bond and he put up all of all of his real estate right in reality it was all in foreclosure yeah. he was in complete and total financial ruin and i think he'd been playing a house of cards yeah trying to sell properties and he just couldn't sell them fast enough right, or finish right, them fast enough right. so um in the Dateline episode that i i watched um someone commented that the children equaled money if he could gain custody of his kids he'd have ties to Jennifer's family's fortune.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it was within his best interest to get rid of her, which was probably why he was so furious at her for leaving him because she sealed his financial ruin fate, fate. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So heartbreaking. I mean, those kids are gorgeous. They're just, you know... Five, yeah. five of them. And they have the trauma for the rest of their lives. Not only did their mother disappear, but they are kind of, I guess, forced to go say goodbye to their father, the man who murdered their mother. Yeah. Um, that's. I'm sorry, but that's fucked up. That is fucked up. I don't know if they were necessarily forced.
1: It's just, it's it's a one line in an article, so.
0: Well, yeah, but like <clears throat> the deal is they were all so young, right? They're yeah. between 13 and eight, Something like that at that. the time, yeah <clears throat> so an adult tells you, okay, well, we're gonna go say goodbye to your dad uh you go yeah you, know? you do is, so you don't you this is not the mind of an adult who can who, who can process the events that have been happening so quickly they're traumatized, right and uh I don't know, you grow up with knowing that you came in, I guess, reverence to the man who murdered your mother uh it's got to be that's got to haunt you i think you know hopefully they got some therapy i'm hoping they got some I, therapy. I, I expect
1: so i mean it seems to me that their grandmother has been very protective of them so
0: good um yeah good it's a shame that um her husband passed away because that that would have been a nice formidable team um and then the the other one the the law was named after the other jennifer Yes. Do you have any, what's the story on that one? You don't have anything? I don't, I didn't look into it. No. God, that's, he killed himself in front of his three kids?
1: Yeah. According to the article that I read. I mean, that's all I got was the the description around Jennifer's law Mm -hmm. provided that information. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I didn't look into it further than
0: that. Wow. Wow. Just Oh, this is a depressing episode. <laughs>
1: it is. You know, I, I think for me, it's uh, if you ever want to look visually at sort of the estates that they lived on and the amount of money that kind of was there. It, at the end of the day, if you're in an abusive relationship, it doesn't yeah. actually matter how much money you have because, right? It, it if somebody's intent on harming you, mm-hmm. they'll find a way.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we lived a very affluent life, and there was a lot of violence going on in our house, and no one said anything. Outside, everybody noticed, but no one said anything because we were affluent. You know, our father was a an automotive executive, and uh, no one says anything, which is really unfortunate because I don't know that anything could have been done back then. It was before anyone gave a damn on my thing, you know about kids' welfare under the care of their parents but um in in those types of situations, I think. There's sort of this, if you're wealthy, it's overlooked because you're wealthy. And if you're poor, it's overlooked because there's so, mu- there's so much need, right? Social workers only have uh, so much time to deal with all of it. Um, so system's broken.
1: Very broken. I mean, she did everything right. She, she documented did. her fears. She, she documented did. their incidents. And he just kept piling Mm -hmm. it on so it was a he said she said kind of scenario
0: even when he was like he sent her the email and he's like our children need two parents right that was such a setup Mm -hmm. like look i'm reasonable i'm a good man i just care for the welfare of our children like you fucker you know he was he was interviewed
1: by the he was interviewed by the media after he got out on the first time after he'd been arrested
0: Really? Uh, yeah.
1: Professing that he had nothing to do with his, his wife's disappearance, that he thought she was still alive, that she'd come back someday. Classic.
0: So Yeah, of course. Yeah, And, you know, I don't know why women constantly are not believed. You know, like we just aren't. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And, uh, you know, I recently went through something where I told the truth and I'm being disbelieved up one side and down the other and being, you know, kind of the town pariah or whatever um who cares um but it's it's so frustrating because like no one wants to hear the truth if it's coming from from a woman's mouth but a man can say fucking anything and it's they lap it up and i don't get that i don't get that i don't understand that why we're that way you know it sucks um the other thing that i wanted to mention too was when i was envisioning how he got into the garage Uh, She pulled forward when she really should have backed in. So if you are someone who who has a violent ex-spouse, or if you are worried for your safety from someone that you are divorcing, please back into your garage. Please do not pull forward. You need to see who might be sneaking in. It's just, I back into every parking space, literally every... Parking space, not necessarily because I'm afraid, but because I have a dog that likes to hop down on a curb rather than down on the, you know, an extra six inches. So uh, that's why I back in. But it's a habit now. I can't break it. I'm, I'm back in everywhere. And I think it's just smart for women to like get really good at that, especially when you're backing into the garage. You never know who's going to, because you your view in the rear your mirror is limited, right? So you're pulling forward, you're looking for the end of the garage. Right. You'll see movement if they pass the rear window, but if they're down, you can't see that. So back into your garage, ladies, if you have one. And if you, have if one, you can, if you can yeah. maneuver it on yes, bikes exactly. and exactly. <laughs> lawnmowers, yeah. snowblowers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. Right. Well, you've done a good job backing into your, your garage all this it's time. Tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. Tiny, tiny yeah. uh, New England garage, you know. Yeah. Like horse carriage size. Yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, this was fun. I am
1: very sorry that she won't be found. I would have loved for her children to have had some closure around that. But um, I appreciate your insights. I did not suspect that she was, I was going along with what the police offered up, which was that they thought she died violently and it was indicated it was bludgeoning. Um, No idea it was a stabbing. Um, And I, I really feel
0: like I, yeah. The and then the biggest clue on that that it was a stabbing was the combined blood on the faucet. I think as he was stabbing her, he cut himself. Versus if you're bludgeoning someone like with a hammer or a crowbar, yeah. right? Um you won't necessarily cut yourself. So um and the, the amount of time that he spent cleaning up the scene um tells you there was a lot of blood loss. So that for me was like she wasn't bludgeoned, she was stabbed yeah yeah so okay all right um, sad she was a lovely woman very
1: yeah. very beautiful yeah very very sad all and the way great around mother
0: too that's the other rumor. Yeah. so oh, sad world we live in <laughs> anyway since thanks for this write-up you did an exceptional job this time this was really really good easy to Thank follow you. um so well done on the wardrobe coordination as well appreciate that um and the following up with uh Brian Kohlberger, that red-haired
1: devil. I just want more and more evidence of you being right. So when I can find it, <laughs> I'm going to throw it,
0: throw it up for everyone to see. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, well. it's, it's, Um, I'll tell you, it's like, there are times when I really know I'm right. And like, there are times when I feel like, okay, I'm in the ballpark. I know I'm in the ballpark. Like, I really feel that Jennifer was stabbed. Um, you can present evidence to me contrary that she was bludgeoned and i'm willing to be wrong i'm willing to say okay you know i can feel the violence it feels sharp and pointed rather than dull and flat um but I, it still shocks me and unnerves me a little bit when like i'm on like i was with this guy that's a that's yeah,
1: well, the other thing is that adds to the idea of her being stabbed is that he used zip ties. So if you're going to bludgeon someone, you don't need zip ties, correct? Right. To subdue them. So yeah. Anyway, all right. Yeah. Well, enough you. gory gory details. <laughs> Love you too. Thank you. For Welcome. Minutes.
0: I think I'll pass on dinner tonight. I'm good. <laughs> no cauliflower for me. Yeah. Well, you know, if you were if you were making me dinner, then I would not pass on dinner. I would soldier on um, because you are delicious, you're a delicious chef, deliciousness. Um, but uh, I hope you have a great night, sweetheart. I'll you talk too. to you soon. Okay. That's
1: terrific. You. Thank you okay. everyone. Love you too. Bye.